So, you know, in these last 18 months, you know, there's been kind of this upheaval in decision-making. Some of you might felt it more than others, you know, facing kind of decisions that we've probably never faced in our lifetime before. You know, some of you might be thinking about that as you're thinking about guidance today. For some of you, it might be about, what am I going to do next year? You know, Jenny's put forward a little challenge there about chaplaincy, and maybe that's uh, just like, ooh, Maybe, maybe that's something. God sort of put something on my heart there that I need to consider. And we all desire guidance in our lives at some degree. You know, the idea of talking about Proverbs is uh, wisdom for everyday life. And Proverbs, it's not kind of nice and neat and tidy. I mean, it's the, the whole book is a kind of a whole jumble of different things that are said about that are, that are wisdom, how to live life well. And it's often not easy to sift through, so I've had a bit of a challenge even just coming to what I'm going to share with you today. Uh, but broadly, the whole book is really about guidance. You know, we design guidance on a whole bunch of different levels. One could be, you know, I've got a wise path or a foolish path. How do I, you know, see the difference between those two things? Or it could be even like selecting from a few different good options that are in front of us. And then we've got kind of decisions we need to make in a moment versus ones that we need to give considered and deeper thought. But even our small decisions can have big impacts. You may even think back in your own life. Maybe one little momentary decision that you made has sort of ripple effect in your life in lots of different ways. Now, you might even think about it in the sense of your... Faith in Jesus, you know, coming to that point has influenced your life in so many different ways. But it could be something that happened that was negative as well. So it's kind of four things I just want to bring out. This is not the totality on um, guidance by any stretch of the imagination, but they're just four things that we do see in, in Proverbs or along, uh, along those lines. And the first one I was to think about is when we're making decisions... Do we see that we have free will or do you feel like you operate more with a kind of a fate of uh, what's happening? So I'm just going to see if I, this is working. Yes. Free will or fate? Now you're like, well, I believe in God, so fate's definitely not in my picture. But actually, sometimes we perhaps operate in this way. You know, we consider how much us and how much God in our decision making. Now, we could see it as a kind of a spectrum if we push all the way to where we make all our decisions, we're master of our own destiny, all that kind of thing, through to God just sets it all up, he kind of gets creation running, and we just all hold on for the ride. You know, those are the kind of true extremes. You know, if we're up the end of God's got control or, you know, fate will um, sort of make everything come about, I was just watching this little program last night, caught uh, 10 seconds of it, and they were doing a little bit experiment on people that basically were told that um, you know, your, your fate is in the hands of someone else. It's sort of predetermined. And then it kind of tested them how they would act as based upon that. And they found that the people that were told that, as opposed to they could control their own destiny, actually became more immoral, as in... They were like, well, someone else in control. I just do what I want and then they'll work it out, you know, in the midst of it. 
So that was an interesting kind of response. You would have thought perhaps knowing they had free will would have got, they would have said to their heart, well, you know, I'm in control, I can do what I want. But it was actually the flip side. Knowing that someone else was responsible kind of took their responsibility away from me. And then I can just do whatever I want. They'll just have to work it out as a result of that. So if we flip to the other side of me, you know, my free will is the biggest thing, then we can get a little bit scared perhaps about taking on responsibility. You know, I'm answerable for my actions, even though in one sense we, we love the opportunity to have free will. Here's a few scriptures from Proverbs that kind of speak into this space. We've heard some of them just read to us from Nina. First one, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. And alongside that in verse 9, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So what picture is coming to mind as you read these uh, verses? And another one. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? It's kind of like we can get lost in all the decision-making that we have to do, and we start, if we start making up our own rules, and we get a little bit confused. What are these voices, verses sort of pointing to? It's kind of a both-and kind of picture, isn't it? That we are actually involved in making plans, sort of plotting our course, but actually there's a bigger picture that God is putting in place. This next verse, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So just a little picture, rather than looking at it, you know, me at one end, God at the other, how about we see it something like this? God's big purpose for the world and then us operating as a small part of that big picture. But we, we have choices. We get to make decisions. But his ultimate purposes will not be thwarted. You know, we think about just even the person of Jesus. You know, his death on the cross, that was a plan that God had put in place. But even in Acts, we've seen Peter's preaching to the crowd. He draws out that actually the people who took him to the cross, in a sense, had a role in him being killed. They had responsibility for that. So it's kind of God's big purposes, but then local kind of responsibility in our decisions. You know, as we look at the across the landscape of the Bible, we see people making lots of different choices, even appearing, you know, the, the time when Abraham's sort of having a chat with God about how many people he's going to save um, from Sodom, I think it was. Um, and, you know, he kind of starts with 50 people and he's sort of bargaining his way down and God said, yeah, I won't destroy it if there's that many people. Um, but ultimately he didn't even find that many people that were sort of living for God's way. And so that... Um, that city got overthrown. But that's a sense of, you know, that seems a picture for us that actually he's convincing God, you know, in this argument that he could change his mind. It makes us wonder, you know, God, us. But there is continuity in the whole storyline throughout the Bible. 
that God will ultimately bring his purposes to bear. You know, it seems like a paradox that the plans in our heart, that we are responsible. But God has the bigger picture in mind. So how might we engage this? Here's a verse from uh, chapter 16 we had read to us in Proverbs. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything in its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Now we can take this verse a little bit out of context and say uh, maybe we've even thought it in our minds. Um, kind of, I've got this plan, I'm just going to commit it to the Lord. As in, my plan will win out and hopefully he'll bless it somewhere along the way. As opposed to, what does it say? Commit to the Lord, whatever you do. It's like this, putting, uh, this idea of committing, rolling onto, putting your weight onto something... Is about putting your trust in God first, in all the things that you do. And he's the one that'll start unfolding our plans, which way we can go, what is wise, what is realistic. Now, we see that in the life of someone like Joseph. He kind of starts out with a kind of level of arrogance that God reveals to him about how his life should play out amongst his brothers and what he has intended for him. But over time and through many different experiences, God begins to make him very wise through those experiences. You know, recently, Janelle and I have been tossing up a few plans for our future and, um, you know, we felt, okay, we're going we're gonna to go a certain direction. We're going to agree to go that direction. And if God wants to modify it along the way, then, God, we want you to do that. Please show us in different ways um, if we need to, to modify our intention. Within the next 48 hours, I had five different ways that he actually spoke against choosing, uh, spoke saying, actually, not that way, a different way. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, but I didn't know if I wanted to do that other option. <laughs> and you're like, um, now I'm going to have to wrestle with that a little bit more because on the, on the apparent um, first, those indications are that I should change direction. But it hasn't quite gone to the heart yet. I think I saw those things happen. But how am I going to wrestle with the outcomes? of what he said so far. So it looks like we need to listen to God a little bit more together on it. We thought we are going this way, and he said these other things. Does that mean totally, totally that way, or am I just modifying our first idea? Stay tuned. But I don't know if you've ever had this experience. This is another way you might have experienced God working in your life alongside you making some plans. Have you ever been really angry with someone? Really angry, and then as you've brought that to God, have you made some conscious decisions, you've felt that the ability to forgive that person has come into your life, from anger to capacity to forgive. I mean, only God can really make that happen. He adjusts, helps us. Uh, he goes with our will to say, you know, you want something different? 
I'm going to help you get there by my spirit. I know you can't do it alone. You know, Jenny talked about her role and what she can bring and love and compassion to those kids. She can't do that alone. She knows that God is with her. She needs to submit her will to him every day as she serves those children. So it's not fully free will, do whatever you want, and it's not fate, you know, you, got, you can do nothing about it. There's this partnership. Very much so, God is the bigger partner in this partnership. <laughs> Very much so. But it's one way us to think about our guidance. Are we doing that, acknowledging him, when we're thinking about the decisions we need to make? The next point. Proverbs talks more about the who we are more than the how. So we need to think about who we are before we think the how about how he guides us. You know, we want little shortcuts. We want uh, to kind of these little easy signs that just, you know, step by step all the way through. But Proverbs pretty much says wisdom is hard won. Our identity, our character gets built over time rather than just having a little technique and a little five-step technique that will kind of produce the right outcome. He wants to work in our hearts first. Here's a couple of scriptures from Proverbs. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. What's this saying? You know, as you become a person of integrity, you can't go against your word. You need to follow through. You build relationships around trust. Do you want better guidance? Let God work on your integrity. Next one. The plans of the righteous are just. But the advice of the wicked is deceitful. See how there's kind of this opposite Kind of, this is the way the writer puts forward something positive and say, this is going to be fruitful for you. But if you're looking at things from this other side, whether you're unfaithful or uh, they use the term wicked, okay, you're doing things against God's desire, you're going to be basically two-faced and you're going to be deceitful. But it's saying the alternative is have integrity, be someone of righteous paths. Make plans that are righteous. What, is, what does it mean to be righteous? Well, it's to uphold God's ways. So if we want better guidance, allow God to work on living to his perfect standard. As you start to live according to his word, guidance becomes that bit more easier. Because you're not undoing all the things that you've sort of tripped up on along the journey. Thirdly, do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Goodness benefits others. It lifts people up. It doesn't tear them down. Selfless acts where you're planning good things for others, you find deeper relationships when that happens. People want to return the favour. You want better guidance? Understand what is noble and good and walk in it. 
Jesus said these words in Matthew 7. Whoop, too far. Might have heard it before. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Back to the start of that. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And that's about character development. That's about uh, hearing and obeying what God has said. Third point coming out of uh, Proverbs here is the guidance echo chamber that we all live with in some way. You know, we all live with information coming to us that kind of reinforces the ideas we already have. What's this guy saying? You're right. It's bouncing off the wall. Of course I'm right. You know, I, I hear that coming back to me. You know, we're in a situation in our, you know, you would have heard it many times before, kind of a social media kind of space where algorithms are actually put in place so that you have your ideas reinforced about what you click on, who you're talking to. It, it gets smaller and smaller. The kind of people that you're speaking with, it's, it's aimed at keeping this echo chamber alive. You know, we can do this with Scripture. As we turn to it, we only pick the bits that fit well with us, that we feel comfortable with, rather than actually just moving through the whole of Scripture. This past year, a number of people have been reading uh, Bible in one year, just to kind of, and it's a great thing to just keep moving through Scripture and stuff comes at you that you weren't prepared for, that you wouldn't have been naturally thinking about or looking for. And we can find ourselves talking to only the people who agree with us. Here's a few little proverbs about that. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So we might even think, hey, looks good to me. But how do you, how do you know? How do you verify that's the right way to go? Here's another verse. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Okay, so we're going outside our own view to ask others, what do they think? What does God think? Another one. All a person's ways seem pure to them. You know, my intentions, so, you know, you've heard me talk about this, um, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. Ever done that? We judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. I meant to do that. Like I was so uh, going to be so kind. Those people are so nasty to me. You know, we put it into. I never actually went and was kind myself. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Yeah, it's something that I can do. Uh, just. I don't know whether it's arrogance or what, but um, uh, marriage is a great mirror reflector um, in life. And uh, it can really frustrate Janelle sometimes when I sort of go into situations with a real certainty about what should be done. I don't actually really 
aren't really that certain, but I just say it in a way that makes it sound certain. And, um, and she's, quite, she's learned this by now, and she's very quick to question whether it really is that certain. And uh, because my view is I want to say it certainly now, but I have to be flexible later on. Like, if it doesn't work out, that's all right. We'll adjust. But I say it with such certainty. But I know a better path is let's open the conversation up to see what the options are before I just state that is something so certain. So when we think about being so certain about a decision of guidance that we have before us, who are we listening to? Who's our authority in our life? What are the primary sources of our information? If you've done any kind of tertiary study, university or even TAFE and that kind of stuff, people, when you write assignments and that kind of thing, they're like, show me your references. And they give you more marks if you don't give them a reference that's like 15 references down the line. So someone once said that they 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 said. They actually want you to say, who said it first? I want you to put that on the reference. So who are our primary sources? Or are we waiting for all the filtered information that lots of other people have to say about the facts? You know, we have so much information. We can just be overloaded with information in our life. I say this is, uh, there's more about character than how to go about um, our guidance and making decisions. But uh, another thing about doing assignments, sometimes you get to the end of an assignment and then you find something that was really meaningful but you've run out of time to put it in your assignment. And this is one of those kind of situations. I found an article uh, just this morning, actually, which has a, a guy from a, a church, Watermark Community Church, 10 Biblical Principles for Decision-Making. And he's pretty much just used Proverbs and he's asked 10 different questions. There's some really great questions in here. So if you want to take one of them, I've got 10 copies that you can take after, and they just step you through things like, what biblical principles should inform my decision? Do I have all the facts? Is the pressure of time forcing me to make a premature decision? What possible motives are driving my decision? How should past experiences inform my decision? What is the collective counsel of my community? Have I honestly considered the warning signs? Have I considered the possible outcomes for my course of action? Could this jeopardize my integrity or hinder my witness for the Lord? Is there a better option that would allow me to make a greater impact for God's kingdom? And he's got subset questions within here as well. I just found it really solid. But I was going to rearrange my whole sermon based around that. But I was like, there's something good. Other people might appreciate it. So it's there for you after if you like. So without digging too much into that, you know, when we think about the broad voices that we have in our life, obviously we've got God's word. Keep coming back to him. We're praying to him. We're asking for his spirit to minister to us. You know, if 51% of our time, the majority of our time, is not dedicated to seeking God's face in an issue, then we're listening to other voices more than his. So what's our practice to actually hear his voice, hear God's voice in our life as the predominant voice.
We've got to recognise our own limits with humility. I could be wrong is a statement you're allowed to say. <laughs> you don't have to be certain like I am sometimes with Janelle. Like, it's definitely this. I could say, how about this? I could be wrong. Another short track to that is if you don't have that wisdom yet, ask someone else. That's got wisdom. Watch someone who you believe already has established wisdom in this area. You don't have to know everything yourself. You can use a community of people around you, whether it's mentors. Do you have a mentor in your life already that you can go and ask those deeper questions and wrestle with an issue that you're facing? Here's a quote from a long time ago. A guy called Cyprian. He was a third century bishop of a place called Carthage. And he says this, No one ought stubbornly to do battle in defence of opinion once acquired and long held. So don't just hold on to it and defend it just because I believed it before, but should rather eagerly embrace another viewpoint if it is an improvement and of greater benefit. For when we are offered improved counsel, we are not being defeated because they're like, right, I'm on the defence. That person is trying to change me. They're going to change my opinion. I'm just going to start get the boxing gloves out. We are not being defeated if they offer us something that's worth considering. We are being instructed. This is especially true when it is a question of those matters that concern the unity of the church and the truth of our faith and hope. Last point. When guidance that I receive interacts with someone else's guidance, it can be difficult. How do we have a conversation about our guidance? Because we have a clash of certainties, perhaps. Can we drop our agendas or our misgivings? Can we look at it freshly to have a conversation, to be honest with ourselves that maybe I see it from one perspective, you see it from another? You know, we are not islands. We might say, hey, I am in control of my decision-making. As an individual, we get very strong reinforcement in our society for that. But we know our choices affect others. Here's from that passage in Proverbs 16. Just bring it all up. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. So there's a having pride. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. We don't have time to unpack all that, but basically it's saying, let's have soft hearts. Let's not build up pride that would push other people away. Let's operate under love and faithfulness. And as we look to live God's way, then actually he actually brings peace amongst 
us and others around us. Just to finish off, in a book I was reading this past week, it was addressing the broader conversation amongst Christians around Australia in regards to gender. This lady, Edwina Murphy, she was offering these helpful comments when we think about the conversations we have when our kind of our guidance, our making decision things clash. He says, We shouldn't rejoice in the defeat of our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not the enemy. Let's not divide ourselves into tribes using coded language to identify who's in and who's out, who will accept and who will reject, but rather think of ourselves together as the people of God. If our battle is against principalities and powers, then in addition to putting on the full armour of God, we are also called to keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If we are faithful in praying for one another, we'll find it easier to keep our swords pointed in the right direction. She goes on to point out that when we come to Scripture and we try to understand it, for ourselves, sometimes that can bring us to different positions on that scripture. That's not to say that every interpretation is acceptable, but we might remember uh, Augustine, a sort of a uh, father of the faith in the early um, sort of early church, and he said this: "Anyone who thinks that he ha- has understood the divine scriptures or any part of them." but cannot by his understanding build up his double love of God and neighbour, has not yet succeeded in understanding them. So he's basically saying, here's a filter for reading scripture. If you read scripture and, it's, and basically by the end of it, you aren't loving God or you aren't loving those people around you, then you've probably got it wrong. You need to go and have a look again. And that might even be I'm right, in a sense, I'm technically right, but I really hate that person who is not right all of a sudden. (laughs) And to hate that person as a result of you being right, it's wrong. (laughs) You've missed the love God, love the person. Instruction that he's given us as the greatest commandment. So we need to read again. Dwayne Murphy says, she goes on to say, to have a conversation, we need to learn other people's language and listen, not just speak. We need to be sensitive to their traditions and their way of looking at the world. Here's a test for a conversation that you might have with someone when you're deciding between guidance for yourselves. Can you articulate, can you speak back to them their position or their reasoning. Even if you disagree with it, can you hear them and say it back to them what they've said to you? That'll test, that is a great test whether you're still in conversation. If you're like, nah, talk to the hand, conversation is gone. There's no way to re-enter that conversation. You know, it's a temptation to demonise another person's point of view to make our own more strong. Ultimately, there's a call of God and through his word to be nice to one another in conversation. Not to be divisive, 
To be divisive, to be divisive is to go against God. It is sin. Being kind, being a person that desires unity, even whilst disagreeing. Unity in that diversity allows us to move forward in relationship despite the discussion. You know, have a heart for that other person that you disagree with. Ask, their, ask them questions like, what are, you big, what are you struggling with? Be genuinely curious about their life. So as we finish, free will or fate? Well, both God and you are in partnership. And that can grow as we are conformed more into the image of Christ. We want to be thinking about the who before the how. Let God work on our core character. It will speed up our decision making. Let's step out of echo chambers of guidance. Listen to voices outside your experience. But at the core, it's God's word to us that matters most. And finally, let's have conversations of guidance that build space for listening and speaking. To be understood and to understand. Let's pray. Lord God, you give us this simple instruction to love you above all else and to be loving one another as ourselves. May this be the overarching goal in each of our hearts when we seek guidance. That we wouldn't go into this selfishly or just individualistically you speak to each one of our hearts, but may we be, find ourselves in a place of unity, a place of living in your will, because that's the best place to live. Lord, forgive us when we have treated others with disrespect. We have dishonoured a person you have created. Lord, show us how to be loving between one another, to truly listen to one another, that our guidance would be uh, true to your word. And when we're uh, trying to grapple with that together to really understand what should be applied in a particular situation, that we'll know by your spirit a sense of unity that we've never known before in a stronger and stronger way. May you build us as deep people of character and wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.